I remember my manager saying something like, yo, man, I understand. If any of these guys had an opportunity that you have, they would be a fool not to take it. And here I am thinking like, you know, well, if it don't happen, you know, can I come back? He was like, you're not coming back here, brother. Here it comes. Hey, here it comes. You're listening to Fresh Era, where we tell stories of the legends from the golden era of hip hop. Each episode, we bring you stories from the pioneers themselves as we dive deep into their lives, their struggles, and what it was like to be a part of the most popular form of music before it was mainstream. I'm your host, Craig Smith. On today's episode, we get into the story of Al Scratch. He's best known as half of the duo Ill Al Scratch. Together, they put out big singles and collaborated with everyone from Brian McKnight to Shaq and the Notorious B.I.G. They were also one of less than a handful of MCs to officially collab with the king of pop, Michael Jackson. What I like the most about Al Scratch's story is that it's a hip-hop story through and through. You'll hear how this hunger to be a part of the culture carried him through some lows and some incredible heights. My name is Alphonse Constant. I was born in the same month and year that the New York Mets won the World Series in a beautiful place called Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy, New York. My mother was a city worker. My father was a welder. His father immigrated to the United States from Haiti. Uh, I think that was back in the early 60s. This is at a time when Haiti was being ruled by Francois Duvalier. He was also called Papa Doc. And in 1964, the National Assembly of Haiti made Papa Doc president for life. Papa Doc and even his son, those were like dictators that imposed their will on the people. So Al Scratch's father needed to find a way to get out. Not just for him, but for his family. It takes a courageous spirit to, I don't even know if the correct word is uh, defect. You know, I appreciate the fact that he did what he did to uh, come over here and got with my moms. And including young Alphonse, they had a total of eight kids. I had three brothers, and I also had uh, four sisters. And with so much going on in the house, the one thing that tied everything together was music. There was always that that time where it was like, all right, kids, we have a roll of pennies or $5, the best dancer. And the kids would get out there and do their thing and try to dance the best to impress the parents. And then you would also see the parents and you would see them just dance slow or even do that, you know, Haitian Creole thing where they're dancing and it's sexy and it's smooth. So, I mean, that music thing was just a part of the festivities along with food and everything that came along with just embracing that that sound and, and that experience of sharing love, you know, and, and those joyous occasions. And not only was sharing the music important, for young Alphonse, listening to the music's lyrics came with added inspiration. Not only was the music, uh, you know, touching in regards to uh, impacting your soul, but the words that were in the music back then, I think is what really heightened the level of intellect for a young child listening to these songs. And young Alphonse would get a demonstration in what was next in music from his older sister. Once my sister showed me uh, what they were doing in the clubs in regards to bringing a record back and forth and the sound that that made on the stereo hi-fi system, that really, you know, it was like, oh, this is a toy tool? Because you didn't look at it like that. The, the record player was something that you don't touch. When mommy or daddy said, you know, let that record play. But my sister was like, oh, but this is what they're doing in the clubs. Let me show you what's happening now. And I remember my mom found out and she was like, you know, and we thought it was an actual diamond tip needle because they had diamond tip needles back then. She was like, I know you guys weren't doing that with my diamond tip needle. When you're seven, eight, nine, you're starting to see things on the blocks and on the streets. You know, even though we lived uptown in Harlem or Washington Heights, 
we still had to go to school in Brooklyn. So I had to take, me and my brother and I and my mom, we had to take the subway. And this is when life starts happening fast. The one train, 157th Street and Broadway to 168th Street, get on the A train, take the A train all the way down to like Fulton Street, and then catch the J train and take the J train to Flushing Avenue in Brooklyn. And you know, just that commute on a daily basis going back and forth, you see so much, especially at that time. I mean, there's graffiti on every subway car. Some cars are, you know, blacked out where there are no lights. You know, your mom grabs your hand. Come on, not this car, go in the next car. Some doors open, some don't. Some subway cars have bums in them with the aroma that is so distinct. You, no one could actually go in there. And this is around the time when Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five dropped their song, The Message, detailing the conditions in New York City. Broken glass everywhere. People pissing on the stage. You know they just don't care. I can't take the smell. Can't take the noise. Got no money to move out. I guess I got no choice. You know, as a young boy, you're hearing and you're seeing now your mind is being molded into, holy shit, like this is where I'm residing. Like this is this is really what it is. Where we live that now, you have the influx of, you know, drugs. Now you're coming into the era where the money is out there and people are, like, hustling. Like, they're going for theirs wherever. You know, your mom doesn't tell you exactly what's going on, but she's telling you what to avoid. It's kind of like back in the days, you mind your business. There's a saying, children are to be seen and not heard. And it didn't matter if he was minding his business or not, he could tell that New York City was being infiltrated by hip-hop. Yes, with the music and the dancing, but every day there was the graffiti. You know, people writing their names on the wall with big fat markers and large letters with drips and the ink is happening and then you're seeing throw-ups and then you're seeing blowouts on the whole subway car and burners and all of these fancy colors and then diagrams and you're starting to now see art as a child. Now this is like, I'm in a moving museum. But this was a museum he could participate in. He could contribute to it. So like many kids in New York City, Al Scratch got out into the city and started tagging. Because I grew up in the subway, and I used to have homies who I used to see go bombing by themselves. And so here he is, a teenager, out at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, tagging trains. He would go out by himself, create some art, and then go back home. And the one time I did choose to bring somebody with me who asked to come with me, is the only time I got caught. I was always an in-shape athletic guy. I'm a good runner. I can duck, dodge, get low, not be seen. But this guy that I was with, you know, I saw the cops because I saw the flashlight. Hey, you guys. I said, come on, we got to go. Let's go, let's go. Come on, get on the platform. But this guy slips and falls as, I, as he's trying to get onto the platform so we can get down the stairs. Now, I could have left him. But the way I was raised... You don't leave somebody. Heavy guy, pick him up, get him out. That slowed me down. We end up getting busted. Long story short, I think when I went to court, that's when mom was like, look, listen, what's up? What are you doing? You out here writing on trains in the middle of the night, 2 a.m. And what are you doing? So being a graffiti artist might have been out of the picture, but hip-hop was still calling his name. With his deep love of music and being exposed to hip-hop through block parties and park jams, he knew that there were other ways to get involved with hip-hop. Next step was actually DJing, 14, at my boy DJ Law's house. We were friends from around the way, you know, skateboard, stickball, and I didn't know he had equipment until one day I was up in his house. And that's when he gets a crash course in the technical aspect of DJing. It was great because... 
You know, whatever I lacked on, he would show me, oh, this is the fader, oh, this is the crossfader, this is the cue, this is the master. Obviously, hook up the RCA plugs and certain little technical things that I didn't know, because all I had was just the foundation of, oh, back and forth, ribbit, ribbit, that's about it. And, you know, when he, you know, was tired or didn't want to get on or keep going, you know, I, I could get on and practice. That practicing soon turned into them getting on the ones and twos at block parties. Their DJ sets at the block party will be recorded onto cassette tapes and distributed all across the nation. Some guys who ventured out of state would take uh, DJ Law's tapes, like to Virginia or D.C. area, and, you know, when we would go and frequent uh, homecomings like at Howard or certain universities, everybody wasn't getting the music that we were getting on 42nd Street in Manhattan down in North Carolina or Tennessee or Alabama. So, But at these schools, you got all of these kids merging in one place, having access to, the, to these sounds that are coming out of New York. They knew that they were on to something big and that hip-hop wouldn't just be something for the neighborhood. It was catching on everywhere. And one of the success stories that was in his own area was Dougie Fresh. Fresh Lick Rick. Have you ever seen a show where fellas on the mic with one minute rhymes that don't come out right? When I started going to school now, officially in Harlem, now I'm in the belly of the beast. So Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick come to my school to perform Lottie Dottie. Yo, peep this, Lottie Dottie, we like the party. We don't cause trouble, we don't bother nobody. After Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick seeing a live performance of that, bro, that would that opened it all up for me. Something clicked for Al Scratch, and he knew that this was his time. Coming up, Al Scratch the DJ gets a crew, they put out records, and Al Scratch gets a taste of fame, eventually taking him all the way to Michael Jackson. But before that, he has to contend with rebuilding and the pressure to go get a normal job, all before he's legally able to drink. Stay tuned. Yo, what's the deal? You got the black sheep, D-R-E-S, yes. And I want y'all to know right here, right now, stupid-fly.com is the place to be. Yo, you got hats, you got t-shirts, and all kind of flyness that you can get your hands on. Not only that, you can check out some of the flyest podcasts you've ever heard in your life. And that would be Stupid Fly Media on Instagram and Facebook. Why? Because they stupid fly. All right. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
While young Al Scratch was growing up in New York City, he naturally gravitated to hip-hop, from graffiti to DJing. And since at this time there was no real path to being a hip-hop professional, he was doing all of this as a hobby because he loved the art. But after seeing Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick perform live at his school, he felt that this hip-hop thing might be something that he could do. Then he got more exposure into the world of professional hip-hop. There was a group called the uh, Aleems, and they had a song called Confusion. They were my first professional recording session at PowerPlay Studios. Now I'm actually in the studio. I'm seeing reel-to-reels. I'm working with somebody that has records on the radio. And he learned a lot about how a record was made. But keep in mind, he wasn't a rapper yet. He was the DJ. But that didn't mean he wasn't working on his writing. DJ Law and I, in his crib, would write rhymes sometimes. And, um, you know, everybody back then had their composition book. And even though it's 100 pages or 200 pages, I only have 12 pages of raps written, but I got something, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, that's where that came from. I just had a composition book, and when you have thoughts or ideas, you just jot them down. And it wasn't long until he met a few talented kids that he knew he could connect with on a hip-hop level. The Party Posse. Now, these are the brothers who uh, lived down the block from me, all right? They were in the group home. These guys would, had nothing. They had nothing. And these are the guys that I saw writing rhymes just on a wood table, banging the beat. No beats, nothing. I saw how good they were, heard them outside, beatboxing. And they also weren't afraid to get their hands dirty in a battle. Back then, as an MC, you had to really be an MC. There, there was no, oh, I want to be a, I'm going to do this. Oh, it was no laughy jokey. And these guys went around corner to corner. I want, who's your, ba- I want to battle him. Where is he? Bring him. And it was all good. It was like a good battle. Just like with electric boogieing and breakdancing. It was a great battle. Like, you a sucker. I'm going to take you out right now, sucker. Let's go. And then the best dancer wins. There was no fight and there was no beef. So he saw the hunger in this group. And uh, I got him to come up to DJ Law's house. So now Al Scratch is a part of the party posse with... Lord Rhythm Composer. That's LRC, Cool, Ted Love, KTL, Fabulous, Randy. And uh, me as the DJ, Al Scratch. They gave me the name Al Scratch. That's where I got the name from, from the party posse. We love to party, because we're the party posse. So crack the moet and crack the taco boxes. But don't get drunk, hold your head. You're not high or sober, you're intoxicated, love. We put out a record called I Think About A Lot Of Things, which was a record that Ted only rhymed on, even though it's the party posse. I rap like I need a bigger thing. For the fun that it brings, never shy. I think about a lot of things. Since we had signed something with the Aleems, there was another manager who had a situation at Jive because he managed Cool Modi. I go work like a doctor. When I rock the mic, you got to like. But uh, Laveba Mallison was the manager who spoke to the Aleems and said, look, listen, this is what I'm willing to do for the guys. They worked it out. Laveba got us over to a situation with Jive, RCA, and... Um, you know, we started recording professionally. So now Party Posse has a deal. And in 1989, they released their debut album, It's Party Time, on Jive Records. One of their singles was called Steppin' in Doodoo. It must be bad luck, or it could be voodoo. Every time I walk outside, I step with some doodoo. Like I remember the time, it was a Friday night. I was going to a party, I was just out of sight. You know, like- Listen, let me, let, me, let me explain something to you with, yeah. with the Jive Records thing, all right? Just my personal opinion, all right? And all due respect to Barry Weiss, appreciate you for giving us the opportunity. But, you know, 
with labels or with any product, I think, we have a Fresh Prince, we have a Jazzy Jazz. This could be the, you know, that's what it was. Because that Party Posse album does not really reflect who we were in Harlem on the streets. That's a commercialized, industry put together thing. But as young kids, you're just happy to get the deal. You're happy to say, okay, you wanted to do a radio record? All right, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's see what we could do. And 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 remember, rap at that time was starting to get a little aggressive with certain things. So it was kind of like, it's okay. We can sell this. We can make money. They really persuaded us into believing, like you know, you guys can do something with this because that that was really not what we were really, really, really trying to do. And I think that lack of true connection with the music shows in the results of the album being released. The Party Posse album comes out. And it's not like they expected to sell millions of records, but it didn't do well. I don't even think it took off, really. Not only that, every time Al Scratch thought about the music, he couldn't help thinking it could be better. I was more like, I like the music, it's dope, but I know what we could do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know what I'm listening to. I know what me and DJ Lord play in the house, and it's not poppy sounding. We party posse, but we not this kind of party posse. But we got this opportunity, I'm not gonna let it go. Maybe we could just get in the door and then eventually change and you know. But unfortunately, Party Posse wouldn't have the opportunity to go through a lot of changes and remain intact. I don't know if it was because of bad blood. I don't want to say bad blood with LaVeba. There was a breakup because things were going in a way where control of like, this is how it should be done. And it was like, but that's not really what we want to do. I think it hit the point of like, that's not really what we want to do as far as like MCs and this hip hop thing. I think LRC stepped away first, and then it was it was Art. It was Al, Randy, and Ted. They kept making demos for a little bit, and then... Then Randy stepped away. Then it was uh, Ted and myself. So I'm listening to Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do, man. Like, you know, sh- we got to keep going, man. We came this far. So they didn't throw their opportunity away. They joined forces, and... We became the Al and Ted experience. And this experience included Al Scratch as a rapper. And together they record a demo called Boom This In Your Vehicle. Now everybody in town know Al and Ted is coming to your town real soon. Miss for now, we're we'll live with the style, so honey, child, just This was a big turning point for Al Scratch. He and Ted were finally able to be themselves on a record. And with the help of one of the original Party Posse members named Dice, they signed, signed the Trackworks Productions deal. And with the production deal, they had access to a studio. They kept recording demos, all the while trying to secure a record deal. That's when we meet David Bowie. David Bowie has a situation through Polygram with his independent label, Fader. And through David Bowie, the Allen Ted Experience gets a deal with Mercury Polygram. And we release Boom This in your vehicle. Um, we did a video for it. That got a little bit of play on the radio. Ted and I are feeling good about it. We're still recording. We were getting a little bit of notoriety, I think. I don't think it was a big record like that, but it was some rumblings on, okay, this, this you know. And unfortunately, my partner, you know, Cool Ted Love, got, uh, you know, uh, taken away 
uh, with a three strikes rule. Ted Love, who had been the premier MC for the Party Posse and one half of the Allen Ted experience, would end up serving around 25 years in prison. For Al Scratch, all of this starting and stopping must have seemed like torture. But just around the corner, he was about to find a new partner. They would hit the big time and experience golden era hip hop like few ever would. Coming up, the formation of the group Ill Al Scratch and the decision to go all in, which could have ended in disaster. Plus, posse cuts, soundtracks, and Michael Jackson. Stay tuned. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. So far, Al Scratch has been a graffiti artist, a DJ, and now a rapper. He and his partner, Cool Ted Love, had found some success with boomness in your vehicle. But unfortunately, Cool Ted Love was sent to prison. It seemed like nothing was working out. But as it often goes, good fortune was right around the corner. The producer, LG, who had worked on Boomness in Your Vehicle, was working with another artist. An artist who had made it all the way to the Source Magazine's unsigned hype section. This was a big deal because if you wanted to be big time, you needed to go through the Source Magazine. Al Scratch opens up and sees... Microphone, assassin, caution killer. Big Ill the Mac. Introducing his new partner, Big Ill. And LG's like, yo, Al Scratch. Yo, my man Ill like your vibe, man. He like your fucking voice on that boomness in your vehicle. You know what I'm saying? I think you should do a demo. Or, you know, just do a song with him for, for one of his demos. I was like, all right, L, what's up? What it is? You got it? Yeah, yeah, this is the beat. All right, what y'all want me to do on this? We want energy. Now, because remember, I'm emceeing now. And this was a turning point for him as he started taking emceeing very seriously. Because on Boom This In Your Vehicle, I was emceeing, but it's really a, you know, it's a different kind of hip-hop song. On this Creep With Me from the Source Unsigned Hype demo that my man is trying to get a deal on, I could raise my voice, I could get my aggression out, I could hold my nuts and feel like, you know what, fuck this, man. I've been in this for a minute. I want to let me go. Let me let me go right now. And LG gave me the green light, go. Yeah. 
loved it. We sounded good together. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, we've already got a situation in play here. What else can you guys do? What you got? Where are my homies? And these records weren't about getting a song on the radio. He was finally able to write songs about what he was going through. Where are my homies? My partner got locked. My other man got locked. Randy's taking care of his family. I'm Dolo. My man Ill is here with me. Where are my homies? Come around my way. That's what that all came about from. And as it happens, he and Big Ill got along. Instant, because he's energy. He's energy just like me. He's Brooklyn. He's that Brooklyn grimy energy. And he's like, yo, you smooth, you uptown, you this. You... And that's what creates that, that unique balance of like, you know what, you got a group, but they don't both sound the same. Al Scratch was lucky enough to find another partner. After the party posse faded away and the Al and Ted experience ended quicker than anybody expected. But as far as making this their long-term play, Al Scratch was still hedging his bets. So I had what they would call a decent job where I was, uh, you know, working in New York City Housing Authority. And the dilemma was, damn, man, this record is taking off. Not mad at it, but it's like, I just, you know, landed this nice gig, you know, where this is what mom said, you know, career, 20 years, retirement, pension. I could be straight, like, you know, I'm not busting my ass. I could just, you know, do what I got to do and, and be out of here. And the record is taking off. And as you're working in the complex of the projects and you're hearing your, your song on these mixtapes and it's being blasted. I mean, this song is on three different radio stations in New York. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to avoid the fact like, yeah, that's me. So he had to make a decision. He had a good enough job that he could decide not to rap. But the label is like, listen, man, what you guys gonna do? We got this package right here. We got this 15-city thing lined up. This is, And they gave you the whole plan, the structure. So Ill and I had a meeting because Ill had a great, wonderful situation, too, financially, where he was, you know, we was financially gonna be like, okay, we don't really need to do this rap thing. But it was kind of like... We have an opportunity here. And everyone around him could see that opportunity, including the people he worked with. I remember my manager saying something like, yo, man, I understand. If any of these guys had an opportunity that you have, they would be a fool not to take it. You know? And here I am thinking like, you know, well, if it don't happen, you know, can I come back? He was like, you're not coming back here, brother. Yo, man, best of luck to you. You know, just don't forget us. So they decided to go ahead and take that opportunity. But it was a little different than they expected. The world kind of like went from nice, calm, cool, chill to, all right, pack your bags, this flight, go here, get on this bus, radio station, here, sign this, go over there, do a demo. Okay, these guys want you to do a freestyle hit. Just nonstop. And they popped up on the scene just in time because hip-hop was exploding. Now you're seeing numbers and units to where it's like, holy shit, these guys are selling these amount of records in like eight weeks. The race to dominate hip-hop was on, and they would get their shot when they released their debut album, Creep With Me, in August of 1994. After the release of Where My Homies, they got together with a young Brian McKnight for a single called I'll Take Her. I'll be the dope money maker, I'm shaker, to the bedroom I said, Now they were all over radio and appearing on shows like Live at the Apollo. Yeah. 
declaring I'm staring but not caring about what you're wearing. You're full grown with the mind. I'm your home. I make your home. That's my home. Turn brick like They were on this wild ride and they needed every advantage they could get. But along the way, they also found time to really enjoy it. You know, we were going so fast, we didn't realize what was actually happening. But I can recall when we were, um, we got a little bit of time to chill and relax. It was before the show. And I was in the pool, he was in the pool downstairs. And then upstairs, I just hear a smooth, soft voice on the balcony. Yo, Al, what's good, my brother? Yo, just want to show you love, man. Hennessy bottle in hand. With the L, yo, what y'all doing? Yo, come up to the room. Just, you know what I mean? If y'all want to just parlay. And I look up and it's Nas. And I'm like, oh, yo, my brother, I'm going to just relax in the pool for me. You know, just to, he was, oh, it's all good, man. I'm right here. Man. So it was kind of like that camaraderie just existed. There was no beef. There was no animosity, no anger. Hip-hop welcomed Al Scratch with open arms. And even though he had already been a part of the culture with tagging and DJing... I wasn't used to being in the role and position of the MC, the front, the lead. I was more of the quiet, I'm in the back, now I'm chilling, I'm good, I'm on the low. Nonetheless, he stepped into the spotlight and delivered. I think that it's really in you all the time and it's actually evolving. And then if that trigger goes off and it's ignited through whatever source of ignition, it's gonna, it's gonna go because... It's kind of like you've been preparing for it the whole time. And if you look at his life, he had been preparing for this since he was a child. All of the music that I listened to just growing up and the melodies and the structures and the harmonies and just different layers allows me, even though as a rap or MC, along with the wordplay, I'm not scared to go to the melodic, harmonious structure to make a composition in a song if it's going to make it that much more better. If it's a record that I'm doing, I want to I wanna put forth my best creative ideas as an artist so that the listener gets the best experience as far as the, the message that I'm trying to get over to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that's what I, I really focus in on. And giving people a good listening experience would come in handy when they were asked to be a part of the soundtrack for a movie called New Jersey Drive. It's about the carjacking of vehicles in New Jersey. So I knew that I was going to custom tailor write this rhyme specifically just off of that idea and concept alone. And for this, they recorded a song called Don't Shut Down on a Player. And that wasn't the only movie that came calling. One day, they got a call from Easy Mo B, which is LG's bigger brother. Yo, Al, yo, yo, we need y'all to, uh, you know, fly out to L.A. And he was working on the soundtrack for a movie called Panther, which detailed the rise and fall of the Black Panther Party. But Big Ill and Al Scratch didn't know anything about that. No information. You just get in the studio, mad weed, mad rappers. And this song would go on to be called The Point. And it featured a good variety of who was hot in hip-hop at the time. Biggie is on it, Coolio is on it, Redman, Big Mike, Buckshot Shorty, I believe, is on it, Bone Thugs and Harmony is on it, Busta Rhymes is on it. Along with Doodlebug from Diggable Planets, Rock of Helter Skelter, Menace Clan, and Jamal. I mean, everybody was there. We was all there at one time. It was, it was sick. It was madness. And Al Scratch, along with his partner Big Ill, made their presence known. When you step in the car, 
That's the superstar status apparatus. More wins than cashes. Break a break a one nine. Cause it ain't no sunshine. It ain't no sunshine. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that. I don't know how more, but see, Moby was the hottest thing right there. So when he said, yo, you jump, you go. Book this flight, we out there. And it didn't stop. They also received a request from Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, shit, what's going to happen? Because you know what? This is a credibility issue. Shaq is really not an MC, so we thought. But come to find out, Shaq is an avid listener of hip-hop, writes his own rhymes. And he reached out to Ill Out Scratch for his second album, Shaq Fu, The Return. They recorded a song called Mike Check 1-2. So that's when we came up with the Mike Check 1-2 and we start going, because me and Ill's thing was always going back and forth. That's how we create the energy. And now it's like, all right, wherever we go with it. But Shaq was so open to it, he was like, yeah, let me jump in too. I want to jump in on that Ill shit. That that experience right there was really one that I say made me think, yo, wow, we made it. You couldn't be stopped. You couldn't be stopped. Couldn't be stopped is right. At some point, they got a call from Michael Jackson. He is one of my idols that I really look up to. And Michael Jackson had an idea. He wanted them on the remix for his song, They Don't Care About Us. It, at that point, it wasn't really about Michael Jackson. That message on that particular song that we were selected and chosen to be on is one that I would have rather been on that song than any other song Michael Jackson has ever done because it really is the it's the it's the cold blood hearted truth of you know what it's about. And I think that he was at a point at that time where. He had to say that. The socially and politically charged message of they don't care about us was perfect for Al scratching Big Ill. All I wanna see is that they don't really care about us. Yeah. One, two, Big Ill, what the deal? I'm all right, Al Scratch. Now tell me what you feel. Yeah. Al Scratch had gone from bombing on subway cars to featuring on one of the biggest songs by the king of pop himself. As a kid, splitting and doing dances and, you know... It's crazy to even think that I would be this kid born in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, to now be uh, asked to be on a Michael Jackson record. Incredible, bro. Incredible, humbling, and just phenomenal, to say the least. Ill Out Scratch would go on to release another album called Keep It Moving in 1997. And by that time, hip-hop started moving in a direction that Al Scratch wasn't comfortable with. You know, back when we were in there in the 90s, Seeing Big get shot, seeing Pac get shot. I started seeing a lot of the things I was trying to escape, being involved in something that I loved and I had a deep passion about. So I took a step back. In the years since, Ill Out Scratch released another record under the name BUC, Brooklyn Uptown Connection. Al Scratch lived the 90s hip-hop dream, from tagging on subway cars to making records that ended up on the Billboard charts. (laughs) 
Fresh Era is a Stupid Fly production. Written and edited by me, Craig Smith. And made even more fresh by the amazing DJ Cheap Shot. Chris Barnett is as cool as ice. Sean Berman is our mix engineer. Music by The Math Club. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Follow us at Fresh Era Podcast and at Stupid Fly Media on Instagram. Find updates about our shows and buy merch at stupid-fly.com. We'll see you on the next episode of Fresh Era. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.